The vast high ceiling storm bunker was shaped like a huge stone loaf. Moash ambled through it, hands stuffed in his coat pockets. Huddled groups of people regarded him with hostility, even though he was just another refugee. He'd always been met with hostility, no matter where he storming went. A youth like him, too big and obviously too confident for a dark eyes, had been considered a threat. He'd joined the caravans to give himself something productive to do, encouraged by his grandparents. They'd been murdered for their kindly ways, and Moash, he'd spent his life putting up with looks like that. A man on his own, a man you couldn't control, was dangerous. He was inherently frightening just because of who he was, and nobody would ever let him in. Except Bridge Four. Heroes of presents The Storm Pod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book Three Oathbringer. This is just a quick spoiler warning for chapters 44 and 45 of Oathbringer. If you haven't caught up on your reading yet or you've picked the wrong episode, try to make sure you do so. Go back and uh, make sure you're all caught up so that you're not getting spoiled. Also, a quick programming reminder. um, We are going to be taking next week off. It is a long weekend here in Canada, the Victoria Day weekend, and it's my uh, daughter's birthday as well. So uh, I'll be busy doing that. So we are going to take a week off here from uh, releasing. Jack and I are quite quite busy in our normal lives and because this isn't a full-time job doing the podcast we um, need weeks like this every once in a while to try to catch up on recording so we really hope that you stick with us it'll just be one week we'll miss you greatly and please enjoy the episode welcome to the show i'm your host sean q and he made a rude gesture towards me so i called him a pisser it's jack what's up (laughs) How you doing? Not bad. I uh, a rude gesture. Well, well I think one of the now. characters make like a like yeah. give the middle finger, and then one of the guys call each other pissers, and I'll just like pissers. I just yeah. found it really hilarious. I'm like, I gotta call Jack a pisser in the show. I'm like, I'm gonna use that in the intro. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of storming going on. There a is. lot of uh, storming language. There, I, there is a lot every... of storming going on. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there is in this in this chapter. Yeah. What, what a good one. The bright side. Yeah. I like this chapter. Yeah, it's um, it's a good chapter. We um, uh, it's funny because the um, the chapter kind of like is split up into two POVs. It's like half a Vale yeah. chapter, half of a Shalon chapter. And again, mm-hmm. he does this thing where it's like we get these three POVs from these three different characters, but really one of them is actually two characters, right? So, right. It's um. Yeah, it's very uh, it's very strange the way he's doing this. I have said it before. I, I've got questions to ask. I guess I could just blurt them out right now. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Ask some ask some questions. Okay. So, question is: Is Vale and maybe I've already asked this before? Shalon, Radiant, and Vale—they all have different wants or needs. Mm-hmm. Shalon is still trying to figure out what she wants. 
And she's reluctant to keep building characters to sort of keep that at bay. Yeah. But my, but my question is, well, can Vale or any of her other characters um, see other people? What do you mean? I mean, like, like, see, like, are they like the little boy from the Sixth Sense? Do they see dead people? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> uh, no. Like, as in, you know, as in, can can Vale have her own relationships? Oh, oh, you're talking about you're talking about actually seeing people, like, yeah, I relationships. I don't know because uh, I, I don't. I I think at this point there's still this connectivity between them. Yeah. Um. Because at the end of uh, the Veil POV, she says mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I've got to go." V- uh, Shalon has an appointment Shallan, to get to, and right. they're like, "Well, why would that matter? Why do you have mm. to go if Shalon has a thing?" And she then has right. to be like, come up with something where yeah. she's like, "Oh, you know, Shalon, she can't do anything Shallan by herself. Or can't whatever. do anything by herself." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, I that line actually is quite telling. She can't do anything by herself. You know what I mean? Like she needs us. Right. The other two you know, personalities or whatever, the other two disguises to be able to, to help do stuff. her out. Um, yeah. But I don't think that there's, a, a, you know, until Vale, Vale's been hit on. Right. But and they Vale hasn't again really here. been interested yeah. yet in someone else. No. So I think that we should hold off on this conversation until there's a moment, if there's a moment, when Vale shows romantic the... interest in someone who's not Adolin. Right. Right, because if right. that happens, then we'll have to really talk. Are are these Radiant, guys is allowed to date? <laughs> Radiant seems to be the most devoted to Adolin. Right, yeah, and even Shalon sword like, fighting and the bonding through that. I don't know. Shalon keeps talking about, you know, uh, using certain language when describing or looking at Kaladin. Like, the Kaladin like, thing has come up, come back up. It we, hasn't been yeah. around since um, when they were in the the chasms together. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, he she was drawing him the last uh, right, yeah, you know, the last thing. So, yeah, there's the it, it is that whole stuff is coming back. Um, I don't know. I think we. I think until one of the personalities outrightly show any yeah. interest other than Adolin, I think we, we this isn't really a conversation for now yet. If that makes mm. sense. Makes sense. Does that completely dodge your question and also yes, answer it? Yes, it does. Okay. It, 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 it completely evades it entirely and doesn't address it. Um, I No, but well done. I mean, you may know more than I do uh, on that front, mm-hmm. but I'm just curious about it because I think it's. I think it would be really fascinating to keep track of right. that. For sure. You know? It's definitely something that we got to wor- worry about because these, uh, at least veil, not so much brightness. Brightness is kind no, of an so extension of Shalon. No. Right, right, um, right. Because Vale doesn't look like Shalon. No, At the very least, to everyone else, brightness is still Shalon. Maybe she just has her hair tied back and she looks more regal or whatever. But mm-hmm. she's the same person to everyone else outwardly, right? So, right. So there's no discrepancies there. But with Vale, Vale could have her own life, right? I know. Yeah. It's fa- that I find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. Okay, let's let's talk briefly about this uh, this ship business now. These upside down sails. What a fascinating um, bit of artwork we have before yeah. the chapter. Now they only briefly mention it Vic- in these. Yeah, Shalon walks meetings. by. Navani's talking to another scholar, and yes, the other scholar is like, "Well, how would this work? How can we stabilize the sails right. or whatever?" Yeah. 
It's it's really neat. Yeah. So what are these vehicles? Well, what do you think they are? Well, they're transports of yeah, some kind. But they can't be water transports if the sails are on the bottom. No, I I'm guessing they're vehicles to be able to travel the storms, but I but I don't know. Right. They 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 do look like kind of badass. Um, they almost look like Mad Max type um ships. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit Mad Max. Mm-hmm. It's also a bit Robotech and a bit Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it does have some it's, pirate uh, stuff going on there for sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's, got it's a, a pirate ship, so it look kind of looks like a pirate ship. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I I'm and and also it kind of reminds me a little bit of the sail barge in Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah, with, for sure. Uh, with like like those those giant desert skiffs mm, kind of thing. For so sure, like, it definitely I can almost has that see feel these too. sails. I would love to see these sails on a on a desert scape where it's just sort of like scraping the sand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the bottom, catching the wind underneath. It's a really neat idea, I think, to have the mass underneath. I, right. I so it's really cool. I guess Navani and her Artifabrians are potentially coming up with designs to create airships. Oh yeah, the, these are definitely airships. Uh, airships yeah, yeah this is kind of cool it's really cool yeah um okay so enough about that i guess because we don't i don't really know anymore and they didn't really go into it in the chapter no, so they don't. okay chapter 44 the bright side um it begins with we are indeed intrigued for we thought it well hidden insignificant among our many realms mm-hmm. mm. so not too much here no not in terms uh, of this yeah this bit. just very little actually very little. Yeah. Okay, it begins with Vale, lounging in a tavern tent with her men, her boots up on the table and her chair tipped back. I would be surprised if Vale ever sat another way. Like a normal person? This this seems to be what she does. Like yeah. she's, she's looking for a wall or something to rest a chair against. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. chair has to be at a certain angle and her legs have to be up you know, crossed or she has to be in this like chaise lounge. She's basically creating a chaise lounge situation (laughs) where there's no chaise lounge. Um, If we had the rights, we would literally play the song (laughs) chaise lounge right now as this part of the the pot is going on. Cause uh, as soon as you said chaise lounge, that's what's playing in my head right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I see it as her activating her, her Han stance. Anytime she sits down, she's mm-hmm. like, activate Han Solo sitting. Han Solo stands. <laughs> she's like, how can I look more like Han Solo? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, she's enjoying the warm, enveloping buzz of fellow humans who had turned this tomb of rock into something alive again. I like that, that description. There's people drinking and chattering and... I like how she... Shout, ca- shouting she re- and joking. I like how she refers to herself as a fellow human. As a fellow human, yeah. Yeah, I'm just here with some fellow humans. Fellow humans. Because, yeah. like, is she a real girl? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a fellow human. <laughs> yeah, she does. Not not quick to... It just sounds like she's, like, really, like, uh, I, I hope it's true. I'm a fellow human. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> she seems apart. Um, it still daunted her to contemplate the size of the tower. How had anyone had built something so big? Mm-hmm. It could gobble up most cities. I thought that was an interesting choice of words. Yeah. Is the city alive? Are, we've, I've uh, mentioned to you about the rocks and things like that. Are they something other than what we know? Right. Um, um, It lends itself to what Renarin said the last chapter with Renarin when he said, you know, it's not just many different Fabrials. 
it's all one Fabriel. The whole city is one yeah, large Fabriel. He mentions Fabriel. that in here. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it makes me think, when I hear that, it makes me think of that. Could just be a giant construct, like mm-hmm. a massive machine. True. Yeah. Okay. It could gobble up most cities. Vale had seen, sorry, had seen without having to loosen its belt. Hmm. Well, best not to think about that. You needed to sneak low and beneath all the questions that distracted scribes and scribes and scholars. That was the only way to get anything useful done. Instead, she focused on the people. Their voices blended together and collectively, they became a faceless crowd. But you could also choose to focus on particular faces and really see them and find a wealth of stories. So many people with so many lives, each a separate little mystery, infinite detail. Mm-hmm. Like pattern. Look close at his fractal lines and you'd realize that each little ridge had an entire architecture of its own. Look close at a given person and you would see their uniqueness. You would see that they didn't quite match whatever broad category you'd first put them in. I really like Man, this. Man, that's a highlight. It is because it, this so is great. what uh, Yasna and uh, Yasna and Dalinar were talking about before. About right. how, you know, they, they take the one thing that's about you and then they make the, that your whole identity. Right. Vale's saying you actually look at people and you can see their uniqueness. They are not just the thing that the, you put them in this broad category. They are not that. Yeah. They are many different things. Right. You look closely enough and you can see that each line of pattern is an, like a, a wonder of architecture and that people right. are like that too. And I love this. That's, it, th- there's these running no, themes that tie back together, right? It's, it's, I don't know, so far to date, that idea is probably the single most important thing that's in the story. Mm-hmm. Because we just, we need to f- remember that for ourselves, like, every day. For sure. Um, so, Red says, talking to Ishna, Vale had thought three of her men, sorry, had brought three of her men today with the spy woman to train them. So Vale could listen and learn and try to judge if this woman was indeed trustworthy or if she was some kind of a plant. Red continues here, This is great, but when do we learn the stuff with the knives? Not that I'm eager to kill anyone, just, well, you know. <laughs> I know what? Ishna asks. Knives are Devi, Red says. Devi? Vale asks, opening her eyes. Red nodded. Devi, you know, incredible or neat, built in a, in a smooth way. Everyone knows that knives are Devi. Gaz adds. <laughs> Ishna rolled her eyes. She was a dark-eyed woman of relatively high social standing. Interesting uh, that they bring that little detail up. She may not be willing to give it up. Mm-hmm. Vale drew more attention, not just because of her white jacket and hat, but she was getting the attention of men. And that's when I first thought about this idea. I'm like, she's getting, the, she's getting attention. Yeah. What if Vale had her own relationships? Yeah. I like mean, it's developed a, her own it's desires. A viable like, question. She just hasn't sh- reciprocated anything yet with anybody. No, for sure. Um, the attention was going to her, which they didn't go to Ishna. Hmm. The way she carried herself, the prim hava kept them back. Ah, like that's she, the key. She was unobtainable. Keep the men at bay. Yeah. Like Keep she, the men at bay with mm, a prim hava. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. There's that. That that, that shit's locked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's locked up. Yeah. yeah. That shit's locked up with the hava. Vale sips her drink. 
enjoying the wine. You've heard lurid stories, I'm sure, Ishna says, but espionage is not about knives in alleys. I'd barely know what to do with myself if I had to stab someone. I really like this. Mm -hmm. You know, turning espionage into, well, it's not about this adventure that you're thinking. Yeah. This, I really, it's about sifting through information. Right. Espionage is about being careful and gathering information. Your task is to observe and not to be observed. You must be likable enough that people talk to you, but not so interesting that they remember you. Mm -hmm. Well, Gaz is out, Red says. Yeah, Gaz says, it's a curse to be storm, so storm and interesting. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I love Gaz. Um, would you two shut up, Vatha says. The lanky soldier had leaned in. Cup of wine left untouched. Highlight. Mm-hmm. He's here to learn. That was my first... That was... So I caught it right away when yeah. I was reading it, and I thought, oh, because he's normally a drinker. Right. Sanderson is, is saying the cup of wine is left untouched. He's leaning in. He is going to succeed in this endeavor. I think, it's, I think it's kind of the thing that he's not drinking because he's on the clock right now. Like, he's... Well, the, the, yeah, they're, they're learning. They're th this is a job right now for him, and he's taking it seriously. Right, he doesn't want but his I mind like all. Yeah, me too. I like it a yeah, lot. He's breaking his routine. Whereas you know, Red like and Gaz are making jokes and stuff, and like they're here to right. learn too. But Vath is serious about it. I'm tall, he says. Gaz has one eye. Will be remembered. Uh, you'll need to learn to channel attention towards superficial traits. You can change and away from traits that you cannot. Red, if you wore an eye patch, the detail would stick in their minds. Vatha, I can teach you how to slouch so your height isn't noticeable, and if you add an unusual accent, people will describe you by that. Gaz, I could put you in a tavern and have you lie on the table in a feigned drunken stupor. Nobody will notice the eye patch. They'll ignore you simply as a drunkard. So little tactics on how to mm -hmm. uh, work around your noticeable traits and how to disguise them and make them forgettable. Yeah, for sure. I love it. It's like, it's like hiding in plain sight, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is beside the point. We must begin with observation. If you are to be useful, you need to be able to make quick assessments of a location, memorize details, and be able to report back. <laughs> now close your eyes. And they reluctantly did so, Veil joining them. Now... Can any of you describe the tavern's occupants without looking, mind you? Gaz scratches his eye patch. Well, there's a cute one at the bar. She might be Thalen. What color is her blouse? Hmm. Well, it's low cut and she's growing some nice rock buds. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, uh, Gaz is being a stinker. This thing with red next here is so funny. This is so funny. <laughs> with red? Yeah. Um, this next one. There's this really ugly guy with an eye patch, Red says. He's short and annoying type, drinks your wine when you aren't looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So good. Vatha, Ishna asks, what about you? I think there were some guys at the bar. They were in Sabaro uniforms, and maybe half the tables were occupied, but I couldn't say by who. Better, Ishna says. I didn't expect you to be able to do this. It's uh, human nature to ignore these things, but I'll train you. So that, well, wait, Vatha interrupts. What about Vale? What does she remember? I like this from Vatha. 
because she wants to include because he wants to hear what Vale uh, noticed. Yes, but it's also not just that. I I feel like Vatha was the leader of this group of men under Shalom. Right. And then Vale right. has kind of come along and usurped him a little bit and is now in charge of these men. And that's yeah. okay. He yeah. doesn't seem to be upset about it. He's eager to learn. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. like, well, what about her? I want to see what she does. Yeah. Because it's important. I think if she's going to lead. I want, we want to see her do that, right? I also think, yeah, so there's that. But also, I, I like what you said just a second ago that he's here to learn. So he's here to learn. Well, how can I get the maximum if I don't get her perspective? Right, right. If I mean, so if let's Vale's good her. at this shit too, then well, let's see yeah. if Vale do it. Yeah. And it turns out, it turns out that the faucet is on full blast. Yeah. Vale says three men at the bar: the older men with white whitening hair and two soldiers, probably related, judging by those hooked noses. The younger one is drinking wine. The older one is trying to pick up the woman that Gaz was noticing. And she's not Thalen, but she's wearing Thalen dress and a deep violet blouse and a forest green skirt. I don't particularly like the pairing, but she seems to. She's confident, used to playing with the attention of men, but I think she came here looking for someone because she's ignoring the soldier and keeps glancing over her shoulder. The barkeep is an older man, short enough that he stands on boxes when he fills orders. I bet he hasn't been a barkeep that long. He hesitates when someone orders, and he hasn't, and he has to glance over the bottles, reading their glyphs before he finds the right one. There are three barmaids. One is, one is on break, and fourteen customers other than us. I can tell you about them. That won't be necessary, Yishna says. Yeah. Red claps softly. I was imagining your slow claps. That- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Very impressive, Ishna says. Vale, though I should note that there are 15 other customers, not 14. Oh, a little mm. correction. So yeah. Vale scans about the room and counts them and realizes she missed one. Right. And a woman she'd missed nestled into a chair by a small table at the back of the tent, and she wore simple clothing, a skirt and blouse of a lethe peasant design, had she intentionally chosen clothing that blended in with the white of the tent and the brown of the tables? And what was she doing here? Taking notes. The woman had carefully hidden a little notebook in her lap. Who is she? Vale asks. And why is she watching us? Not us specifically, Ishna says. There will be dozens like her in the market, moving like rats, gathering what information they can. She might be independent, selling tidbits she finds, but likely... She's employed by one of the high princes. Mm-hmm. That's the job I used to do. Right. I'd guess from the people she's watching that she's been told to gather a report on the mood of the troops. Cool, right? Really cool. Yeah. Like I literally. Do- dozens of them out there yeah, like rats. Yeah. Like, the thing that she's teaching them is literally <clears throat> being done in the bar that she they're in. Like it's really cool. Right. And that someone as <clears throat> perceptive of, as Vale didn't notice her. Right. So that means these men can become that maybe eventually people who are not noticed that will see everything. Imagine right. the information that Vale slash Shalon can have with a network of these people giving her all this, mm. like the juicy gossip in the taverns and all this stuff. Right. It's mm-hmm. really cool, man. It's really cool. Um, she suggests Ishna suggests that they should learn glyphs and use some ploy like making marks on their hands to help them keep track of information. Vale had heard of some of these tricks, including the one 
Ishna talked about, the so-called mind museum. Mm -hmm. I love that pairing of words. Yeah. The mind museum. I like this. Mm -hmm. Most interesting were Ishna's tips on how to tell what was relevant to report and how to find it. She talked about listening for the names of high princes, common words used for stand-ins for more important matters, and how to listen for someone who had just the right amount of drink in them to say things that they shouldn't. Tone was key. You could sit five feet from someone sharing important secrets, but miss it because you were focused on the argument at the next table over. Mm -hmm. This was all very meditative for Vale. Sitting and letting your ears take in everything, your mind latching onto only certain conversations, Vale found it fascinating. Gaz complained, and Red was nodding. But Vatha, he'd closed his eyes and was reeling off descriptions of everyone in the room to Ishna. Vale grinned, for as long as she'd known the man, he had gone about his duties as, as if he had a boulder tied to his back, slow to move and quick to find a place to set it down and rest. Seeing this enthusiasm from him was encouraging. I love this. Yeah, it's, it's like he's really good, it's right? like he's he's been unlocked. He's found something that he is truly yeah. interested in. Mhm. It's great. I like it. Mhm. It is great. In fact, Vale was so engaged she completely missed how much time had passed. This is this is Maria here. This is sound and music. Um <laughs> when she heard the market bells ring, she says, "I'm a storming fool." Vale asks, Vatha asks, "I've got to get going. Shalon has an appointment." And she can't make it without you, Vatha asks. Storms, have you watched that girl? She'd forget her feet if they weren't stuck on. Keep practicing. I'll meet you up. I'll meet up with you later. She pulled on her hat and went dashing through the breakaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought it might be cool for us to like actually do like a half and half highlight here because the mm. if we do it at the end of the uh, chapter, we're really mm -hmm. gonna having to pick between these two characters. And I thought that it'd be fun to just do one now. Like, do you have a highlight amongst this whole bar scene? Like it. Oh, I love so much about it for mm -hmm. highlight. I mean, the highlight is, I think ultimately, um, just being reminded about not putting people into broad categories. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. dude, that is, I mean, just speaking personally, like I really need to keep that for myself. For sure. And I think you it's know, important um, for all of us everywhere to do that. I mean, yeah. You know, Big we, time. we, we get put into broad categories and we also like, it's like what I said to before, like, you know, it yeah. makes me want to try to be a better person. Cause I, you know, I have this, you know, stuff and I want to, I want to try to understand other people's point of views, even though yeah. I think that some of their point of views are despicable. Yeah. It's important for us to try to understand the whole picture of someone's life and how they got there yeah. and why, why they are the way they are, as opposed to just hating them outright. And, and. And putting, not putting someone into a broad category like that is kind of a first step to that, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's a huge highlight for me. However, I would say, you know, Vatha's interest. It's highlight, great. I mean, it's really great that he's taking, taking an interest, him mm -hmm. not sipping the cup of wine. I just love thinking about that, that that was the tell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's how you know what's happening in that scene mm -hmm. is that he's not drinking. Yeah. You know, that's really cool, man. I, re I don't know. I just, I love that. It's, it's just a Juicy small little me. point, but I, 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 I also like, I just love the combination of red and gas together. 
Like they're <laughs> like this budding comedy duo for us. Super funny. <laughs> Um, I, I love the, I love the line. Yeah, there's this ugly guy with an eye patch, <laughs> short, yeah. annoying type, yeah. and it's like he has to give a little bit more of a, an explanation. He's not just a guy with a, a an eye patch. He's a short, annoying <coughs> type who drinks your wine when you're not looking. Right. Like I really like yeah. that. Like That's like super Red funny. goes to a goes to the uh, um, he takes it a step further and gives a thorough you know description of the guy sitting right next to him. It's really mm-hmm. funny. But yeah, okay, we can uh, uh, change POV now, which I love. That's yeah, we, one of the we, things I loved about a couple episodes ago when yeah. you noted that it wasn't just a scene change. It was actually a POV change because it was a different character now. Like we went from Shalon to Vale, right. and now we're going back from Vale to Shalon, and I love that. That's really cool. A short time later, Shalon Devar tucked back into a blue hava, strolled through the hallway beneath Urethiru. She was pleased with the work that Vale was doing with the men, but Storms, did she have to drink so much? She'd burned off practically an entire barrel worth of alcohol to clear her head. Mm -hmm. She took a deep breath and then stepped into the former library room. Here she found not only Navani, Yasna, and Tashav, but a host of ardents and scribes. May Aladar, Adratagia from Carbranth, and there were three Storm Wardens. These odd men with long beards that liked to predict the weather. Shalon had heard that they occasionally used the blowing of the winds to foretell the future, but they never offered such services openly. So I'm so when we began reading this whole series, mm-hmm. I mentioned to you, you know, the winds blow these characters together. Mm-hmm. And you think the storm so winds are on to that? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think that me as a reader, I'm onto that. Right. Like, I like to think that, that reading the winds and how, you know, using serendipity or what, like, like mm-hmm. how characters come together to accomplish things, let's say, mm-hmm. is a way to read the winds. Right. It might be more specific than that. It could, it could really involve, you know, knowing windspren and, and what, the, what they're doing. And I, I, I don't know, it, it could be more complicated than that, but I just delighted in this little bit to think about this little morsel. That... Yeah. It sounds like she's saying that potentially storm wardens use the winds like tarot cards or tea leaves or like, yeah. they can like feel the wind, like kind of tell you a little bit about the future. Um, we yeah. literally know very, very little about storm wardens. Right. Like, um, we know less about Stormwinds than we do about Renarin, and we know very little about Renarin, you know? So, um, yeah, so oh, they're, they're still dude, very uh, uh, interesting oh X factor. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, we do get a Storm Warden in this and he's, and he's mean. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. eh? yeah, he's mean. He's a meanie. He's a mean, he's a mean girl. Okay. Um, for telling the future, never offered such services openly. Yes. Shalon wished for a glyph ward. But Vale didn't keep any any handy. She was basically a heretic and thought about religion as often as she did sea silk prices in Rall Alorum. At least Yasna had the backbone to pick a side and announce it. Vale would simply shrug and make some wisecrack. It's interesting to bring up to reinforce that Vale is not uh, necessarily religious here. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I, what I, the other thing it does is that literally at the beginning of this chapter, yeah. Vale is talking about Shalon like she's a separate person. 
And now Shalon is doing the same thing, talking about Vale, like she's Vail. a separate person. Right. It's reinforcing mm-hmm. that separation between these two characters. Mm, pattern whispers from her skirt. Shalon, right, she'd been just standing in the doorway. She walks in, unfortunately, passing Janala, who was acting as Tashav's assistant. This pretty young woman stood with her nose perpetually in the air and was the type of person whose very enunciation made Shalon's skin crawl. Mm-hmm. The woman's arrogance was what Shalon didn't like. Not, of course, that Adolin had been courting Janala soon before meeting Shalon. She had once tried to avoid Adolin's former romantic partners, but, well, that was like trying to avoid soldiers on a battlefield. They were just kind of everywhere. Yep. <laughs> so that's funny. Yep. Um, and also must be, you know, a weird thing to navigate. For sure. You know, if you're betrothed to someone who's literally dated the kingdom or the the, <laughs> the entire Alethi, uh, you know, it, that's that's got to be, you know, a problem. Yeah, the, to deal with. There's a couple of right? things here, right? Obviously, um, Adolin did not um, take to any of these girls. No, and so he, you know, he had lots of short-term relationships. Right. Of course, right. nothing really major. Right. No, no. Um, But also he's like a high prince's son. And so he is like an eligible bachelor. So people are probably already always setting him up. Even when he doesn't want to be set up, he's having to go on probably dates to humor his aunt and to humor his father and to humor, you know what I mean? To humor the king. Everyone wants to see him married and and married off for, you know, political alliances and what, what have you. So he's probably been on a lot of dates. Liked his, uh. I, I think his interest in fashion is really what what was at play there. He just kept going from girl to girl to see to see different fashions in, in play, <laughs> or just have him like I don't know. I don't what, know. what does she wear? Oh yeah, I'll go what on a she, date with her. Yeah, yeah, what, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, um, they were just kind of everywhere, and yeah, and I wrote again in my book here: Can Vale have different relationships? Um, a dozen conversations buzzed through this room. Talk about talking about weights and measurements, placement of punctuation, atmospheric variations in the tower. Once she'd given anything to be in a room like this, to be a scholar, right? Mm-hmm. But now she was constantly late to the meetings. What had changed? And yeah, I want to know. Well, we she know what's so changed. She seems so excited and, well, well, there's many things that, that have changed. Mm-hmm. But I know how much of a fraud I am, she thinks. Shalon had barely perused the books that Adolin had, had given her. On her other side, Navani was talking to Fabrils with an engineer in a bright red hava. Yes, but how do we stabilize its brightness with the sails underneath? I will. It will want to spin over, won't it? So this, what do you think about? Well, I'll I'll tell you what I think. I think we have a Shalon who's very confused. Mm-hmm. I really don't think we know where her feet are going to end up. Like, does she want to be a scholar? Sort of. Mm-hmm. Does she want to just draw people and, and be an artist? Kind of. There's a lot of this happening right now. She's a, I don't know. She's just like a bard or something. She's just not. She is, uh, you know, she's just, I, I see her as kind of being a very archetypal character who is taking on too much, but can't really fully commit to one thing 
right? Right. Like you, movies and TV shows, someone who is, you know, like yeah. got their, their toes in so many different projects that they're late for all right. of them. Can't really right. fully, while they're at band practice, they're thinking about uh, the play that they're in. While they're in the play they're in, they're thinking about the job that they have and they they S can't fully commit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They can't fully commit to anything. Whereas in here, it's like that, but these other interests she has are other people doing it, right? Like she's always right. late because she's with Vale. She's as Vale drinking. You know right. what I mean? Maybe she's late f- to, to to go drinking with Gaz and Red because she's t- taking too long practicing the sword with Adolin yeah. as brightness. Mm-hmm. So these these things are starting to stop her from being able to be fully one thing. Yeah, she needs a planner. She does. She she needs time management. She needs to. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to really pattern really needs get to get like a day thing. book or whatever, just to put all her yeah, stuff pattern in. needs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what Shalon needs yeah. is, uh, is, uh, is a day book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like she's, I don't know, just spinning. Mm. Um, sales underneath. Okay. So, um, this was an opportunity to study favorable science, but why hadn't she wanted to get more into it? As it enveloped her, the ideas, the questions, the logic, she suddenly felt that she was drowning and overwhelmed. Now that really speaks to what you're talking about. She's taken on too much. Mm-hmm. She's overwhelmed. Everyone in this room knew, knew so much, and she felt insignificant compared to them. That's an interesting little sentence because it could, you could extrapolate that she feels dwarfed mm-hmm. and wants to be on top. Right. Like wants to be recognized, wants to be Yasna at right. the center of, of attention, wants mm-hmm. to be in command. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But she is not, right? She no. is not that. She no. is a complicated, broken woman who yeah. is doing her best to live life with all this trauma she has. Mm-hmm. And she is coming up with creative ways of doing that by creating these personalities these disguises that are able to help her get through the day mm-hmm. i i actually applaud her um her tenacity in trying to do it all you know it's so funny because she wants it all but she also wants none of it at the same time right but she feels like she needs it's... to do it someone needs to do these things right mm-hmm. once she took on the men from the Frostlands, someone needs to do something with these men. They can't just be sitting around drinking all the time. And she also right. needs them. She has need of them to do something important. I need someone who can handle this, she thought. Perhaps a scholar. Part of me can become a scholar. Not Veil or Brightness Radiance, but someone. Patterns started humming on her dress. Yeah. Shalon back to the wall. Was this her? Or sorry, this was her, wasn't it? Shalon had always wanted to be a scholar, hadn't she? She didn't need another persona to deal with this, right? Right? Yeah. So she's literally know, on the thought, verge wow, of coming up with another persona to be to able to go to these this. meetings. And she's like, wait a minute. That's me. I'm that person. I think she needs to create the scholar. She, but she's supposed to be the scholar. I know, but she clearly isn't. Right. She needs to invent one right now to be able to do all of this work properly mm-hmm. without any consternation or eye rolling from Navani or mm. interruptions or drama. Like she could invent a scholar that could accomplish all of this and be done with it. Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like you are hiring assistants. Mm-hmm. 
like she's she's a ceo right and she's like she needs to hire a certain person can't find it anywhere so she just invents another I'll part of herself to, right <laughs> yeah. and then does it you know what yeah. I, this 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 part of the, the the chapter makes me think of that line in the last book when she said the real shalon is the girl who flinches Right. The person who went to Carbranth to learn from Yasna to switch the soul casters to do all that. That was someone yep. she became because she needed to. But the real version of her is she the girl needed who to flinches. become the rogue from her brothers. Right. And, yeah, right. Right. So like this person who goes to the meetings, who is Shalon, isn't maybe even really the real her. Right. You know what I mean? The, the girl right. who flinches is the one she f- feels like she's most like because maybe she's gone past that because she's like, you know, mm-hmm. she's at the very least got over some of her trauma. Mm-hmm. But back in that last book, that's how she felt that, that the girl who flinches was the real her. I guess we should be reflecting on that wisdom with regards to the broad categories that we try to put ourselves. Right. And, and, and not even just put other people, put ourselves. Mm-hmm. So Shalon's looking like, well, am I this scholar is that all i am yeah right clearly i'm more she could be more she could be a spy she could be a a a radiant she could be a scholar she could be an artist she can be all those things she just needs to allow herself to be them perhaps like i said right now what i see is a storm she wants it all and she wants none of it at the same time yeah it's it's really really interesting it's it's interesting. Yasna raises an eyebrow when she sees her and says, Late again. Sorry. I intended to ask your help understanding some of the translations we're receiving from the Donchant, but we haven't the time before my mother's meeting starts. Well, maybe I could help you. I have a few items for, for you to finish up. We can speak later. This was an abrupt dismissal from Yasna. She walked over to a chair beside the wall and sat down. Surely, she says softly, if Yasna had known that I'd just confronted a deep insecurity of mine, she'd have shown some empathy, right? Yasna? Pattern asks. I do not think you are paying attention. Shalon, she is not very empathetic. (laughs) Shalon sighed. You're empathetic, though, he says. I'm the pathetic part, at least. I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's self-deprecating, but it's all it's cute, and I love it. Um, I, I like uh, pattern being like you haven't been paying attention. Yeah, is not empathetic. Yeah, yeah, which actually, ma, because I kind of want her to be, but mm-hmm. no, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the pathetic part, at least, she says, "I belong here, pattern, don't I?" Mm, yes, of course you do. You'll want to sketch them, right? The classic scholars didn't just draw. The oil-sworn new mathematics. Okay, first of all, again, I love it. It's one of my favorite things, the oil-sworn. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that's my jam. Yeah, you love this guy. You I, love the oil-sworn. I want sworn. some oil-sworn. Yeah, yeah I, want, I want to see these Renaissance, like these Italian geniuses that can paint and, and illustrate, you know, math and science and engineering, you know. Maybe if we ever get to interview Mr. Sanderson, you can ask him, um, sorry, I have a little bit of a side question here. Um, can, what can you tell us of the oil sworn? And then you can like put your hands in your, <laughs> yeah. put your face in your hands and like wait for the story of the oil sworn. Indulge us. Yeah, please. The oil sworn. <laughs> Expand on yeah. this yeah. legend that is Just the oil sworn. <laughs> ex- extrapolate, please. Yeah. Give us a volume. Um, the oil sworn new mathematics. He created the study of ratios in art. Galid was an inventor, and her designs are still used in astronomy today. 
sailors couldn't find longitude at sea until the arrival of her clocks. Oh, I like this. Mm -hmm. These Galad clocks. I want one. Yasna's mm -hmm. an historian and more, and that's what I want. Are you sure? I think so. The problem was, Vale wanted to spend her days drinking and laughing with the men, practicing espionage. Radiant wanted to practice with the sword and spend time with Adolin. But what did Shallan want? And did it matter? Good question. Did, it, did it matter question. what Shallan wants? Did it matter what Shallan wants? Right. You've got all these other parts of yourself doing things. Does it matter what, what you want at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. I often wonder if just the the extrapolation of this character or the expression of Shallan is just kind of like how we all feel, like playing different roles in our lives. And at the end of the day, when you're tired and you think, what do I want? Mm -hmm. Like, what do I really want to do? Right. And does it matter? It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a great question. It is we, a good question. I think we're all kind of dealing with this in some way. Um, not to the extent of what Shalon is uh, no. dealing with, but anyway, are you sure? I think so. Vale wanted to spend her days drinking and did it matter? Navani called the meeting to order and people took their seats. Scribes on one side of Navani, ardents, and devotaries on the other, and as far away from Yasna as possible. Hilarious. Mm -hmm. Great. Love mm -hmm. it. So Yasna's in a room, it's oil and water or whatever. Yeah. Love it. The ardents and the votaries <laughs> staying away from the heretic. Yeah, Yasna. exactly. Yeah. Um, Shalon noticed Renarin standing in the doorway. He shuffled, peeking in, but not entering. Several scholars turned toward him, and he stepped backward, almost as if their stares were forcing him out. I, Renarin said, Father said that I could come and just listen, maybe. You're more than welcome, cousin, Yasna says. She nodded for Shalon to get him a stool, so she did and didn't even protest. She could be a scholar. She'd be the best little ward ever. Hmm. hmm. Almost, almost sense of like a little bit of, or like, um, you know, like, like she, she'll get the stool, but she doesn't really want to be the one that at the beck and call yeah. to, she, to get the stool. This is part yeah, of what we really. talked about before, about how she, she feels like she's past that now and she's having to be the ward again. And, you know, oh, I love highlight for me coming up in a bit when, when Yasna is dealing with Shallan uh, mm -hmm. after the incident with Yanala and she's like, oh, this is why I don't take wards. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah, that's yeah, my, yeah. oh yeah. dude. Yasna's yeah, reaction is just amazing. Okay. But this, oh man, in this chapter, head down, mm -hmm. dude, Yeah, man. this is the highlight. Yeah. He's right? like very meek. And he wants, to, he wants to be part of it, but he doesn't want to say he wants to be part of it. And like head down and then eyes up. Yeah. Come on. This is the best. Yeah. Doing Dalinar. Come on. This is anyway. Okay. Heads down. Renarin rounded the ring of scholars, keeping a white knuckled grip on a chain hung from his pocket, white knuckled grip on a chain mm -hmm. from his pocket. What is this chain? What do you think? I don't know. And if, and unless I've for, forgotten something, have I forgotten something? No, I don't I think know? so. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring up something in a second too. Another question. I don't know if I could do it, if I should do it now, but so he, Renarin's head is down. Shalon did her best to take notes. 
Navani had most of the scholars here working on trying to understand Urethiru in a in a in a Dara reported first, and she was reporting on the meaning of the strange shapes in the rooms of the tower, the defensive constructions, the air filtration, and the wells, and the rooms that were shaped oddly with bizarre murals depicting mm-hmm. fanciful creatures. Mm-hmm. I want to know what these creatures are. Fanciful like. creatures, yeah. Yeah. But she finishes her report. Kalami reported on her team, who was reporting on gold and copper metalworks, whether they were embedded in the walls with fabrials. She passed around drawings, then moved on explaining the efforts, failed so far, that they'd taken to try to infuse the gemstone pillar. The only working fabrials were actually the lifts. I suggest, interrupted Ethelbar, or, yeah, Elphabar, head of the Storm Wardens, that the ratio of the gears used in the lift machinery might be indicative of the nature of those who built it. It is the science of digitology, you see. You can judge much about a man by the width of his fingers. And this has to do with gears? How? Tishav asks. In every way, Elphabar said. Why, the fact that you don't know that there is a, that, there, uh, that is a clear indication that you are a scribe. Your writing is pretty, Brightness, but you must give more heed to science. <laughs> Pattern buzzed softly. So this is our meanie McMeanerton. Yeah. Um, Elphabar, the Storm Warden. Not a great start for the Storm Wardens, but we'll see. Shalon says, I have never liked him. He acts nice around Dalinar, but he's quite mean. So which attribute are his? Are we totaling? And how many people are in the same, are in the sample size? Pattern asks. Hmm. Are we totaling? Totally. Hmm. Again, broad categories that we put people in. He's mean. So mm-hmm. he's in this mean category. Yeah. Automatically hmm. mean. Automatically mean. He could he could legit be at this meeting and feel overwhelmed by the fact that Navani's here and Yasna's here and there are there are two radiants in the room, three radiants if you count Renarin, and he's lashing out because he feels small like i'm just saying that he's being mean but his meanness could come from a place of insecurity and you know what i mean like so there's there's sides to everything right do you think maybe janala asks we are asking the wrong questions shalon narrowed her eyes suppressing her jealousy (laughs) (laughs) at least she she's acknowledging it it was just something uh Something felt off about Janala. Like many women at court, her laughter sounded rehearsed and contained. Like they used it as seasoning rather than actually feeling it. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. See, little little Mrs. Dash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's peppered, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not a a genuine uh, guttural chortle. Um, What do you mean, child? Adratagia asks Janela. Well, Brightness, we talk about the lifts, the strange fabrial column, the twisting hallways. We try to understand these things merely from their designs, but maybe instead we should figure out the tower's needs and then work backward to determine how these things might have met them. So, actually, Janala brings up a great point here. It's a great point. To reverse engineer, yeah, yeah. start with what the tower requires yeah. and then build backwards and perhaps in that sort of in that way of thinking or discovery, you'll, you'll make your discoveries. She might be a snob and have a, a fake laugh, but she, that's, I think a she raises a good point. point yeah, here. it's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Navani says, well, 
We know that they grew crops outside. Did some of these walls, uh, did some of these wall fabrials provide heat? And Renarin mumbles something here. So earlier in the, the, the episode here, I had said that mm-hmm. Renarin had already said this. Um, this is the part I was referring to when he was all like, well, what if it's all a Fabriel? What if they're not just individual right. Fabriel? I yeah. forgot that I had, <laughs> I had prepped this, these chapters in my notes earlier in the week. And when I right. said earlier, earlier, I meant coming up. <laughs> right. Coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so Renarin starts to mumble, head still down. What was that, Renarin? Navani asks. It's not like that, he said softly. They're not Fabrials. They're a Fabriel. The scribes and scholars shared looks. The prince, well, he often incited such reactions, discomforted stares. Mm-hmm. Bright Lord, Janelle asks, are you perhaps secretly an Artifabrian, studying engineering by night, reading the women's script? Ooh. Janala with a little lash here. Yeah. The lash was absolutely unnecessary. Absolutely unnecessary. Um, yeah, absolutely. Several of the others chuckled. Renarin blushed deeply, lowering his eyes. Um, part of me used to wonder when he lowered his eyes and, and did this kind of thing because he was avoiding looking at something in the room. Right. Uh, I think like that, that a lot that of these things some... that we don't understand go back to what mm. Ashlyn Lee told us, like, you know, a couple books ago, or the last book was oh. that he has autistic tendencies. Right. So he's using the chain mm-hmm. as a fidget toy, mm-hmm. right? He's not mm-hmm. making eye contact with people. He's keeping his head down, his eyes up so he mm-hmm. can see people, but he doesn't want to make direct eye contact with right. people. There's a lot of that in it. Now... I think it's very possible that a lot of this stuff too is the unknown with Renarin. You're saying that he's not looking up because he sees something different in the room. That's very possible too. Yeah. Well, I, cause I'm like, part of me is wondering if he just thinks like all of this is hope. If he's seen the future mm-hmm. and it's all hopeless, if there's some like brutal entity that he has to see and deal with mm-hmm. that, that is present around him, reminding him of this horrible future. Right. Like that could be like a cast down. Like I can't even look these people in the eye because I, I, because I've seen them all feeling, die or because of I'm, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I, I like taking what it to you're the saying. extreme a little bit, but right. Mm-hmm. But, I like what you're saying with regards to like, you know, his tendencies and just mm-hmm. like he, he just simply is that kind of person. Right. Um, but I wonder if it has more to do with the, you know, the, cosmic events at play here well, the, the x factor yet again is what's going on with renarin and so anytime we deal with him right. and we have him in a chapter we have to think is there something different happening to him right now that we don't that's not necessarily on the page right um so renarin blushed uh, lowering his eyes even further so he's feeling more shame thanks to janala's little tongue lash you'd never laugh like that at another man of his rank Shalon thought, feeling her cheeks grow hot. Oh, highlight. Mm-hmm. Someone's attacking a fellow Radiant of mm-hmm. mine. Yeah. Member of the team. Mm-hmm. Member of the X-Men. Come on. Yeah. Like, she's feel, her cheeks are flushed. I no like one this. goes after this Nightcrawler like this. Seriously. That's right. Yeah. Shalon's anger was a strange sensation. On more than one occasion, she'd been struck by Renarin's oddness. His presence at meetings was just another example. Was he thinking he finally was joining the Ardents? And did he... And sorry, and he did that by simply showing up at a meeting for scribes as if he were one of the women. 
I like, oh, dude, it's so highlight when his dad shows up. I mean, yeah, dude, it's wicked. I mm. love it. As if he were one of the women. It's been brought up. So this is women's work. Yeah. And storm wardens, the, realm. the men, the storm warden are yeah. men. The ardents are men. Storm wardens. But right. like someone who traditionally can't write isn't a scholar, right. shouldn't be in this, this room. But right. But Renarin is, it, we've, they've told us this this whole time since the very beginning of the books that Renarin probably should have went, been in the Ardentia. Right. Because he's very smart and he loves this kind mm. of stuff. He loves scholarly yep. work. How dare Janala embarrass him like that? Navani started to say something, but Shalon interrupted and cut in. Surely, Janala, you, just, you didn't just uh, try to insult the son of the High Prince? What? No, no, of course I didn't. Good. Because if you had been trying to insult him, you did a terrible job. And I've heard that you're very clever, so full of wit and charm and other things. Is that flattery? We weren't talking of your chest, dear. We're speaking of your mind. Your wonderful, brilliant mind, so keen that it's never been sharpened. So quick, it's still running when everyone else is done. So dazzling, it's never failed to have everyone in awe at the things you say. So, um, Yasna was glaring at her. Hmm. Shalon held up her notebook. I took notes. <laughs> I took notes. Uh, could we have a short break, Mother? Yasna asks. An excellent suggestion, Navani says. Fifteen minutes during which everyone should consider a list of requirements that this tower would have if it were to somehow become self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. So, a few things here. Yeah. Stop the meeting. We need to have a talk. Yeah. Navani. I love this about Navani, though. Yes, I agree. But here's the practical thing that we're going to do when the, when it breaks, mm-hmm. we're going to take Janala's idea yep, and we're going to think about it and come back with it. Right. Exactly. Cause it was a good right. idea. Even though she insulted right. my, uh, my stepson, my, yeah. my step son, nephew, my step yeah, nephew, complicated. no, my, my nephew, my, my was, nephew, stepson, was. my nephew, son, that sounds better. My nephew, son. Yeah. <laughs> nephew, son. <laughs> My step nephew son. Nephew son sounds like a, a production company at the end of an episode. Nephew son. <laughs> okay. Um, an excellent suggestion. 15 minutes. She rose and the meeting broke up. I see, Yasna says, that you still use your tongue like a bludgeon rather than a knife. Oh, highlight. Come mm-hmm. on. Bludgeon versus a knife. For sure. Yeah, Shalon says. Any tips? Oh. Come on. So good. Yep. Any tips? Any tips? Uh, yeah, actually, that's what I do. Uh, do you have any tips in the matter? How I can use it <laughs> yeah, better? Let's do it. Let's do this. Let's hone oh, this thing. Oh, dude, I love this little bit. You heard what she said to Renar in brightness, and Mother was about to speak to her about it. Yasna says discreetly. Sorry, with a judicious word. Instead, you threw a dictionary at her head. Sorry, she gets on my nerves. Yasna... Sorry, Janala is a fool, just bright enough to be proud of the wits she has, but stupid enough to be unaware of how outmatched they are. <laughs> Storms, this is this is why I never take wards. Love this. Oh, that's so yeah, great. How outmatched they are. Yeah, yeah. that's so funny. Um, because you give, because they give you so much trouble, because I'm bad at it. I have scientific evidence of that fact, and you are but the latest experiment. Oh, she has scientific evidence of the fact that she's bad at having words? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Shalon, feeling ashamed, walked to the other side of the room. Hmm, says Pattern. Yasna doesn't seem angry. Why are you so sad? Because I'm an idiot and a fool, and because I don't know what I want? 
Hadn't it been only a week or two ago that she'd innocently assumed that she'd figured that out? Yeah, we had a chapter on it, right? Yeah, we just totally did. She was like, wow, I figured everything out. (laughs) She hasn't though. It's just, she's chaos right now. She's spinning. She's a spinning top. I can see him, said a voice at her side. Shalon jumped and turned to find Renarin staring at her skirt. (laughs) He doesn't turn invisible, Renarin asks. Talking about pattern. He says he can't. Yeah, talking about pattern, Mm -hmm. yeah. Renarin says, thank you, by the way, for, for defending my honor. When Adolin does that, someone usually gets stabbed, but your way was pleasanter. <laughs> well, nobody should take that tone with you. They wouldn't have done it to Adolin. And besides, you're right. This place is one big Fabriel. Oh, you feel it too? They keep talking about this device or that device, but that's wrong, isn't it? That's like taking the parts of a cart without realizing that you've got a cart in the, fir- in the first place. Mm-hmm. Shalon leans in and says, That thing that we fought, Renarin, it could stretch its tendrils all the way up to the very top of Urethiru. I felt its wrongness wherever I went. And that gemstone at the center is tied to everything. Yes, he says, this isn't a collection of Fabrials. It's many Fabrials put together to make one big Fabriel. But what does it do? Shalon asks. It does being a city. He frowns and says, Well, I mean, it bees a city. It does what the city is. And the unmade was running it. Right. Which let us discover this room in the Fabrial column, Renarin says. We might not have accomplished that without it. Always look on the bright side. We get our title. Right. Logically, the bright side is the only side you can look on because the other side is dark. Renarin laughed. His laughter brought to mind how her brothers would laugh Mm -hmm. at what she had said. Not necessarily because it was hilarious, but just because it was good to laugh. I know my cousin is intimidating, Renarin says, whispered to her, but you're a radiant too, Shalon. Don't forget that. We could stand up to her if we wanted to. <laughs> she says, but do we want to? <laughs> he says, Prob- you're probably he says, not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. So often she's right and you just end up feeling like one of the ten fools. True, but I don't like, sorry, I don't know if I can stand being ordered around like a child again. I'm starting to feel crazy. What do I do? Renarin shrugs and says, I found the best way to avoid doing what Yasna says is just to not be around when she's looking for someone to give orders to. She says, that makes a lot of sense. I need to figure things out, go somewhere. Like on that mission to Kulinar. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they need someone who could sneak into the palace and activate the device? Renarin, you're a genius. He blushed but smiled. Navani calls the meeting together again, and Yasna taps Shalon's notebook as she did a better job of the minutes because she had an exit strategy. And that was my alternate title. Exit strategy? Yeah, exit strategy. Mm-hmm. An escape route. Escape route would have been a suitable other, other title as well. Mm-hmm. Dalinar Colon strides through the door, casting a shadow even when he wasn't standing in front of the light. I gotta say... This does not make me feel good. What? Casting a shadow with no light. We've talked about Dalinar, you know. Oh, yeah. All of his efforts. He is a war. You know, it could be just all along Dalinar is compromised. I hope it's not the case. I don't know. Yeah. I just find these these little subtle hints. Like, it's like... I mean, definitely worst case scenario in this series would be someone that Sanderson's made you love turns out to be the big bad or one of the big bads would definitely be worst case scenario. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's on my mind. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's on my mind. Apologies for my tardiness, he says. Um, he glances at the wrist for the forearm timepiece that Navani had given him. Please mm-hmm. don't, uh, don't stop because of me. Delinar, Navani asks, you've never t- attended a meeting of scribes before. I just thought I would watch, he says, and learn what this piece of my organization is doing. He settles down on a stool on the outer side of the ring. He looked like a warhorse trying to perch on a stand meant for a show pony. <laughs> they started up again, and everyone was obviously self-conscious. She'd have thought that Dalinar would know to stay away from meetings like this, where women were, and the scribes. Again, there's that reference, that reinforcement of this, this is for the women. Yeah. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. Shalon cocked her head as she saw Renarin glance at his father. Dalinar responded with a raised fist, like, yeah, yeah, I got you, bro. I, I got you. I got yeah. you, son. And that's my highlight. It's Come so on. good, dude. Raised fist. It's I got so you, good. son. Yeah. He came. Eleanor came so that Renarin wouldn't feel awkward. Shalon realized. It can't be improper or feminine for the prince to be here if the storming Blackthorn decides to attend. She didn't miss the way that Renarin actually raised his eyes to watch the rest of the proceedings. So instead of having his eyes cast down, he right. felt comfortable raised. now and he raised his eyes. Isn't that great, Bro, dude? Come on. What a great chapter. Mm-hmm. It is a good chapter. Dalinar being there for his son, like amazing. Mm-hmm. Of course, with this kind of shadow thing looming and if Dalinar is a problem, yeah. he could actually be there for other reasons. Right, but, right. but let's go with the fist and the uh, reinforcement with his son. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love that he came there for his boy. Yeah, me too. That's my highlight for sure. It's great. Um, I have a couple of little ones. I, I, I obviously mm-hmm. for this um, POV here. Um, mm-hmm. I love how Renarin and Shalon fall into a little bit of a brother sister vibe. She even says mm-hmm. it reminds her of her brothers. I love right. that a lot. The That's re- it's really cool. I I'm a sucker for stories that tell me that people get along. I like it when people get along in stories. Obviously I like conflict too, but I just like it when people are like friendly and they like each other and stuff. And like, and this is so awesome that she stood up for him. He comes over and he's all like, we're right, right? Like this whole place is a is one Fabriel and like Mm -hmm. there's common ground there. And he says to her, you know, you're, you're a full radiant. You're a radiant now, not a full radiant. You're a radiant now. Um, you can stand up act to her. Act like one. Yeah, act like one. Yeah. It's okay. Be one. You know, yeah. I, I love that. The the guy who's the most self-conscious is giving her some advice that she actually can use when she's like, he's like, you know, maybe the best thing to do is to just not be around her. Not be around. And then she's like, well, maybe I can advice. get myself into that mission to Kolinar. So we have Elokar, yeah. Kaladin, Adolin, and some of Bridge Four like two or three yep. men from bridge four. And then now yeah. Shalon is like, maybe I can get myself in on that mission. So yeah. Mm, <laughs> juicy stuff coming up. Yeah. I'm <laughs> with you too. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, what a great, great chapter. Yeah. It's a great chapter. Okay. Chapter 45, a revelation. What do you think? Mm-hmm. A revelation here. Yeah. Yeah. A revelation. Um, one that I wish I wanted more action out of Moash at mm-hmm. the end there. He, um, when he was dealing with, was it, what's the name of the high prince? Panara? No, Paladar. Yeah. The light yeah, eyes that was, uh, he meets. He's yeah, a lower, I was, lower level light eyes, but still. I know, but still. And that's why I was thinking, wow, Moash here, this is going to be, you know, 
bridge four training. This is Kaladin mm-hmm. who's going to come out as a, as a white spine, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and attack. That's not what we got. No. He, he had a revelation, but he didn't act on it. He's, he's waiting. We have this like kind of mirrored experience that Moash is having to what Kaladin went through. Right. But like the, what we see in the mirror is a completely different image. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, Moash is almost like happy to see some of these lightite humans as slaves and yeah. is like, I oh, would love he... to see them pull a fucking cart. Like he has yeah. no, he doesn't give I know. a fuck, bro. I know. Yeah. But all of these emotions are understandable. Yeah. Right. I, 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 get, I mean, I get it. It's, I, I, under, I, I understand that the taking delight in anyone's suffering is deplorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you've spent so much time watching light eyes mm-hmm. have all the food, have all the opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. when they get to pull a card around and you delight in it, yeah. it's, it's certainly understandable behavior for sure for sure i'm not i'm right? not uh, condemning him for yeah. it there's a there's a line in here we're gonna we'll get to it but he says something like he, he everyone always saw him as a dangerous man because he right. was a dark eyes who walked with confidence right and you weren't supposed yeah. to be right you weren't supposed to be confident yeah, yeah. eyes da- eyes down please right right yeah. so yeah i, I, I just, there's a lot to like but also a lot to be like like a little cringy from concerned from about here. yeah hmm yeah. Okay, as the waves of the sea must... so Sorry, well, wait, I guess we already covered that. Chapter 45 of Revelation. Mm-hmm. As the waves of the sea must continue to surge, so must our will continue resolute and alone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. These, Reinforcing um, that point that uh, we must be alone, we are not to meet these entities that were supposed to be apart. Right. Remember they said... Um, um, the shards. Yeah, the shards were supposed to be... Uh, not two in the same system or whatever, not more than one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. System. Or, or, or whatever it is, or the same realm or whatever. I think, I, I can't remember what the, the, the word that they used, but. Mm-hmm. Um, this chapter begins with the Voidbringers carried Moash to Revelar, a city in central Alvkar. Once there, they dropped him outside the city and shoved him toward a group of parchment, lesser parchment. Mm-hmm. His arms are a- uh, they ached from being carried. Why hadn't they used their powers to lash him upward to make him lighter as Kaladin would have? So this came up before. So this is being reinforced, this mm-hmm. idea of why, why aren't they using their power? Right. Either they, either they can't or they won't. Right. I don't know. It's, it could just be that they're different. Yeah. Just because they can fly like a windrunner doesn't mean they, they can lash other people, Right. He'd been here before to Revelar many times. Every city of size had a little huddle of buildings on the outskirts for people like him. Modern day nomads who worked caravans or ran deliveries. The people of the eaves, some of it had called them. Men and women who hovered close enough to civilization to get out of the weather when it turned bad, but who never really belonged. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. The people of the eaves. Are it's really like an like island of misfit toys. Yeah, it's just the people that are part of it, but also apart, a band mm-hmm. apart, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Revelar had quite the Eve's culture now, too much of one. 
The Voidbringers seem to have taken over the entire storming place, exiling the humans to the outskirts. The Voidbringers left him without a word. The Parshman who took custody of him looked like a hybrid between the Parshendi warriors and the normal, docile Parshman that he'd known for many a caravan run. They spoke perfect Alethi as they shoved him toward a group of humans in a little pen. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this little hint? Not so subtle either. They, Moash mentions it again, how kind of creepy it is to hear them speak perfect Alethi. Mm-hmm. They are becoming like the Alethi. Right. They're doing the exact same thing, the, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's very... Uh, Guil- guilty of the same sins. It's so like a speak. new form they've taken on. Alethi form. Well, it's a new form, but it's a form that's been repeated yeah. over and over, mm-hmm. right? You're just exchanging peoples here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Group of humans in, in Little Pen. Voidbringers had patrols that were scouting the areas, grabbing human stragglers. Eventually, the Parshman herded him and the others toward a large storm bunker outside the city. They were used for housing armies or multiple caravans during the high storms. Don't make trouble, a Parsh woman says. Don't fight or you'll be killed. Don't run, or you'll be beaten. You're the slaves now. Makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, I mean... All of this behavior is understandable. It's hard. Why take the higher ground? Why? Yeah. What's the reason? I mean, they... Why should we... Why should we be better than, than them? Right. They didn't... They didn't exhibit that behavior, mm-hmm. so why should I? Mm-hmm. Or it's totally if I am a take, normal reaction. Totally normal. And if I am going to take the higher ground, even if I know what that is, well, maybe I'll just delight in this little bit of devilry now. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't make trouble or, be- or we'll kill you. Don't fight. You're the slaves now. Several of the humans were starting to weep. They're clutching their meager bundles with the parchment, which the parchment searched through. Moash could read the signs of their loss. The Everstorm had wiped out their farms. They'd come to this big city looking for refuge, but he had nothing of value. He walked into this massive bunker feeling a surreal sense of abandonment. But had he been abandoned? Hmm. He chose this. Right. He could have been part of something great. Yeah, he, he held. He held the spear and let it go. Right. Yeah. He'd spent the trip here alternatively assuming that he'd be executed or interrogated, but instead they were making common slaves of him. Even in Sadius's army, he'd never technically been a slave. He was assigned to bridge runs, yes. Sent to die, yes. But he'd never worn the brands on his forehead. He felt at the bridge four tattoo under his shirt on his left shoulder. Mm-hmm. He'd never worn the brand until now. Right. Now you are a slave. I wonder if it's making a subtle hint here, like you're a slave to, maybe you're a slave to your emotions. You're a slave to your hatred of the light eyes. He definitely is. Like, like this is what you are. You're right where you belong right now because you can't let this go. Mm-hmm. He can't get away from it. In the, yeah. So you are a slave. So you might as well be one. Mm-hmm. Can't get away from yourself. The vast high ceiling storm bunker. Yeah, this is this is kind of a cool building. I like I like imagining this. They describe it as a huge stone loaf. Moash ambles through with his hands in his pockets. You've seen huddled groups of people regarding him with hostility, mm-hmm. but he'd always been met with hostility. 
as a youth, like him, too big, too obvious, too confident for dark eyes. He'd been considered a threat. Mm-hmm. So that's what you pointed yeah. out. Yeah. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Dark eyes aren't supposed to be confident. No. Yeah. He'd join the caravans or give himself something productive to do, encouraged by his grandparents. And they'd been murdered for their kindly ways. And Moash, he'd spent his life putting up with looks like that. Interesting little tidbit there. His grandparents were killed for their kindly ways. So being kind, taking the higher ground, so to speak, having the moral high ground or ethics or values or whatever, Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to get anybody anything. No. So Moash has learned a harsh lesson here. If you have high morals, so, so called, well, what's, what's the point? What's it going to get you? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Only thing that matters anyway is power. You do. Who wields. You do remember, um, uh, the story of his grandparents, right? His grandparents. Yeah. I just want to make sure that you're, you're remembering, uh, how all that, that played out. Isn't he, uh, doesn't he still feel really sore about that too? For sure. For yeah. sure. And he never got the revenge he thought he was deserved, right? Like he wanted to kill King Elokar, thinking it was Elokar. Right. Who had given the orders. Yeah. Right. So mm. when really the person who was to blame was the, um, bright Lord that took over in Hearthstone. Um, oh, what was his name? Um, oh gosh. Can't remember his name. <laughs> He's at the beginning of this book, oh, that's, actually. That's a shame. Is he? Yeah, because remember uh, when um, Kaladin goes to Hearthstone, he's there. Oh, yeah, right. And they have, they have that, that awkward confrontation. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't uh, Rashawn slapped him? Rashawn. Rashawn, that's it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Rashawn's fault. Well, hopefully, maybe he can meet up with Rashawn eventually. Maybe we'll have that confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um. He'd spend his life putting up with looks like that. A man on his own, a man that you couldn't control, was dangerous. Yeah, there it is right there. I think mm-hmm. Sanderson's reminding us, Moash is dangerous. Yeah, he totally is. He's literally got nothing to lose anymore. Nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And now you're and, a slave. And he's been well-trained. And he's been well-trained, yeah. Right. I used to think that that we had a bridgeman in the, uh, in the midst here. And maybe... Maybe there still will be, because there were hints that the training and the goodness are there. Mm -hmm. There are hints of it, but right now we're not getting a lot of those hints. Right now we're getting, like, I don't know, this this loner, this caravaneer that he wants to be, Mm -hmm. this this drifter. Yeah. Um, A man on his own, he was inherently frightening just because of who he was, and nobody would ever let him in, except for Bridge Four. Bridge four was a special case, and he'd failed that test. Graves had been right to tell him to cut the patch off. This was who he really was. The man everyone looked at with distrust, pulling their children tight and nodding for him to move along. He stalked down the middle of this structure, which was so wide that it needed pillars to hold it up. The pillars rose like trees, soul-cast right into the rock. They'd set up stations with wagons as perches where parchment were addressing the crowds, and Moash went over to one of these stations. In case we missed any, the parchments uh, shouted, experienced farmers should report to Brew at the front end of the chamber. He will assign you a plot of land to work. Today we will need workers to carry water into the city and more to clear debris from the last storm. I can take twenty each. Men started calling out their willingness. They're offering us work. 
Aren't we slaves? Yeah, the man says, slaves who don't eat unless they work. They let us choose what we want to do, though it's not much of a storming choice, one kind of drudgery or another. The man had pale green eyes and volunteered to carry water. Something that had once been a parchment, uh, uh, had once only been parchment's work. Well, that was a sight that couldn't help but brighten a man's day. Moash shoved hands back in his pockets and continued through the room. So when Moash is delighting there, is he delighting that the, that the green-eyed man the is having man to... Mm-hmm. Right. Is do work that a parchment used to have to do. Put his hands back in his pockets, checking the other stations uh, where the parchment were offering jobs. These parchment and their perfect alethi was unsettling to him, though. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that was unsettling, because... Why wouldn't he just be almost happy that they're becoming like the Alethi and they're making the light eyes do right do things? Yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very confusing situation, I think, for someone to be in. The Voidbringers were what he'd expected with their alien accents and dramatic powers, but the ordinary Parshmen, many of them looked like Parshendi now, with taller builds seemed almost as bewildered as their reversal in fortune as the humans were. Huh. They seemed almost as bewildered at their reversal in fortune. Bewildered how? In so a good way or almost like He's talking shocked? about the non-fused, right? Right. He's talking mm-hmm. about the regular, the regular parchment, parchment who were in like slave form or whatever, who yep. now have been awakened, who have their minds connected to their souls or whatever it is. And mm. they now, they're also walking around like, we don't even know what the fuck we're doing. Like we're now part of the ruling yeah. class here, but we're like, where, where do we belong? Cause we're not the right. fused who have the powers, but we're also not right. the slaves anymore. So we're somewhere in the middle now. They're mm-hmm. like the dark eyes. They're like, they are the dark eyes. You know right? what I mean? The fused of the light eyes. Right. Know? And they're the dark eyes right. and the humans are like the parchment right now. Right. The, the slave class. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just, you've just, yeah, you're just, um, you're just Rubik's cubing this whole, uh, this whole scenario. <laughs> yeah. Just, you're just switching just Ruby, yeah. Ruby cubes. It's a Ruby cubey. Um, you're not changing anything. You're just, you're just moving the, moving mm-hmm. the colors around. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, uh, hang on. Three, three stations, different categories of labor. Um, they were looking for farmers, women with sewing skills and cobblers, food uniforms and boots. Mm-hmm. The parchment were preparing for war. Asking around. I like this when he asks, asks around. This is the gather information skill from 3.5. Mm-hmm, for sure. He asks around and he'd learned that they'd already grabbed all the smiths and the fleshers and the armorers. And if you were found hiding a skill, your whole family would be put on half rations. Ooh. Right. So they're building an army. It doesn't sound like they are, they might be hurting them, but it doesn't sound like they are killing them outright. They no. are making you mean use of this of, workforce. Yeah. They're making, because they can get a lot more done. If they use them, the humans. Then, yeah. Right. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The middle station was for basic labor. Hauling water, cleaning, cooking food. The last station was the most interesting to Moash. This was for the hard labor. And he lingered here. 
listening to a Parshman ask for volunteers to pull wagons of supplies with the army, because there, apparently there weren't enough chulls. Nobody raised their hands for this one. Hmm. It would mean marching straight toward battle, straight towards danger. Mm -hmm. I thought that when I was reading this for the first time, I thought that he was going to raise his hand right then. Right. He, he, he needs to be reminded, right, of how much he hates Light Eyes in order for him to go back. He needs to see the options. And eventually he'll choose. And then once the, he sees it, then he'll he, choose a yeah. horrible option. He'd rather do the hard, hard labor than be involved yeah. with anyone like this guy that we're about to meet, this Light Eyes here. Maybe they can round up some Light Eyes and make them tr uh, trudge across the rock like beasts of burden. He would like to see that. Mm hmm. At, at the, as, as he left this station, Moash spotted a group of men with long staffs leaning against a wall. They had sturdy boots and water skins and holsters tied to their thighs and a walking kit sewn into the trousers on the other side. And he knew what that would carry. A bowl, a spoon, a cup, thread, needle, patches, and some flint and tinder. And wow, a highlight for me. Mm -hmm. I love imagining these caravaneers with the long... Um, with these long staffs, the boots, the skins, and these, these like pockets of things, these items that they have on, on their trousers. Mm -hmm. It just, it seems like the neat pockets and things that you would see on, um, in Star Wars films, yeah. like in terms of what they're wearing. And, and it also harkens to D and D when you're, mm -hmm. when you're putting all your equipment together, like what, what you would need for, for an adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, really like this, um, this little bit and it kind of brings me back to Cub Scouts too. It makes me think of like, this is like a character class or something. Like this is a yeah. specific character class. You want to be a caravaneer? Well, here you, this I is your love. starting, uh, uh, this is your starting gear for a caravaneer. You get the spoon, you get your bowl, you get your, you know what I mean? Love the caravaneers. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's like my favorite thing. I'm all over this. Caravaneers, the long staffs, slapping the chulls were what they were used for. Okay. Walking beside them. Um, many of the caravans he'd worked for had used parchment to pull the wagons because they were faster. Hey, he says, is Guff still around? Guff, answers one of the caravaneers. Old wheelwright? Half a reed tall, bad at cussing? That's him. I think he's over there, in the tents, but there ain't work, my friend. The shellheads are marching, Moash says. They'll need caravaneers. The positions are full. There was a fight to see who got the jobs. Everyone else will be pulling wagons. Don't draw too much attention or they'll slap a harness on you, mark my words. They smiled in a friendly way, and Moash gave them an old caravaneer's salute, close enough to a rude gesture that everyone else would mistake it, and strode in the direction that he had pointed. Typical caravaneers were a big family, and like a family, they were prone to squabbling. Mm -hmm. I don't know, dude. I, if it wasn't for all the, all the storming, I, I, I like these caravaneers. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know, I'm digging it. I'm liking the way they look. It seemed uh, a little bit like sand people in Star Wars yeah, for me. a little bit. Um, I like the staff and I like the equipment and I like just getting away from it all too. having a job that you're, you're traveling far, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. I just, there's something I'm drawn to about caravaneers. The thing I, I like about it, the thing, the thing that I think I like about it is that, um, this is who Moash used to be. Right. And we're learning a little bit about his backstory here that he, he yeah. was one of these men. And then when he sees yeah. them, he's like, oh, well, that's what I could do. I could literally right. go back to being who I was before all of this fucking shit started, this. right? Yeah. And he, he quickly learns he can't go back. 
Yeah, he tries to crawl back in the womb, but then realizes, you know what? Things it's a one-way trip, bro. Yep. The tents were actually sections of cloth that had been stretched from the wall to poles, driven into buckets of rocks to keep them steady. That made kind of a tunnel along the wall here, and underneath of it there were a lot of older people coughing and sniffling. It was dim and dark in here, not much light. He picked out the caravaneers by their accents and asked after, ga after Guff, and Moash eventually found him, sitting right in the middle of the tunnel. As if to keep people from going farther, he had been sanding a piece of wood, an axle by the look of it. He squinted at Mo as Moash stepped up. Moash, he said, really, what storming brought you here? What's you wouldn't believe me. What storming storm brought you here? Yeah, what storming storm brought you here, yeah. <laughs> and storming, of course, you know, yeah. easily an F word. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, Moash said, squatting down beside the old man. You were on Jam's caravan, Guff says, off to the Shattered Plains. Gave you all up for dead. Wouldn't have bet a done ship on you returning. A wise enough bet, Moash says. He hunched forward, resting his arms on his knees. In this tunnel, the buzz of people outside seemed a distant thing, though only cloth separated them. That, I really like that. Mm -hmm. That, the, that the, the tent was just enough to create a separation. But the cloth is also, it's a good example of just, of how little is needed to create hierarchies. Mm -hmm. A piece of cloth, a tent, and then they travel to a room inside this this closed uh, uh, this place, and then you find Paladar. Right. You find hierarchy. Mm -hmm. You find closed walls within a place that you shouldn't. You're all slaves. Right. But but yet this piece of cloth, it creates hierarchy. Yeah, it creates separation. Right. It's I don't know. I thought a lot about that. Guff Guff says, "Son, why why are you here, boy?" What do you want? I just need to be who I was. That makes as much sense as the storming father, storm father playing the flute boy. But you wouldn't be the first to go off to those plains and come back not all right. No, you wouldn't. That's the storm father's storming on truth. That storming is. <laughs> <laughs> so, lots of storming going on here. Yeah. Um, there's a whole lot of storming going on. They tried to break me, damnation. They did break me, but then he made me, ag he made me again, a new man. And I threw it all away. Sure, sure, Guff says. I always do that, Moash whispers. Why must we always take something precious, Guff, and find ourselves hating it? As if by being pure, it reminds us of how little we deserve it. I held the spear and I stabbed myself with it. The spear? Boy, you're a storming soldier? Guff squinted his eyes in the darkness. You come with me. The old wheelwright rose with difficulty and set his piece of wood on the chair and led Moash with a rickety gate farther into the cloth tunnel, entered a portion of it that was more room-like. Here there's maybe a dozen people sat in furtive conversation, chairs pulled together. A man at the door grabbed Guff by the arm and said, Guff, you're supposed to be on guard, you fool man. I'm storming on storm and guard, you pisser. The bright, the bright wanted to know if we found any soldiers. Well, I found a storming soldier, so storm off. The guard turned his attention to Moash and then flicked his eyes to Moash's shoulder. You deserter? Moash nods. 
It was true in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. What's this? One of the men stood up, a tall fellow, something about his silhouette, that bald head, that cut of clothing. Deserter, bright lord, the guard said, from the shattered plains. This was a high lord. Paladar. Vama's kinsman and regent, a notoriously harsh man. In years past, he had nearly run the city to the ground, driving away many dark eyes who had the right of travel. Not a caravan had passed when someone hadn't complained about Paladar's greed and corruption. From the Shattered Plains, you say, Paladar said. Excellent. Tell me, deserter, what news is there from the High Princes? Do they know of my plight here? Can I expect any aid soon? They put him in charge, Moash thought, spotting other light eyes. <laughs> they wore fine clothing here, not silks, of course, but well-trimmed uniforms, exceptional boots. There was food aplenty set outside, or set aside, while those outside scrounged and did heavy labor. He'd begun to hope, but of course, that had been stupid. The arrival of the Voidbringers hadn't cast the light eyes down. The few Moash had seen outside were merely the sacrifices. The fawning dark eyes at the periphery confirmed this. Soldiers, guards, some favored merchants. To damnation with them. They'd been given a chance to escape from the light eyes, and it had only made them more eager to be servants. Mm -hmm. In that moment, surrounded by the pettiness that was his own kind, Moash had a revelation. Right. What do you make of all that? I mean... There's a lot going on in Moash's head right now. He, he had, had hoped that when the system broke, it truly broke. Right. That the thing he had wanted his whole life, that the light eyes would have some comeuppance for the things they did to the dark sure. eyes for all these thousands of years or whatever, would finally break if the Voidbringers came and took over. But right. what he's seen is that only a couple of light eyes were outside doing labor and within this broken system, the light eyes are still on top of the dark eyes. Right. And not only that, but still willing to participate yeah. in this system that came before. They're not seeing this as a, as a chance to create something new. Mm -hmm. You know, the vase has been broken and they're trying to put it back together again. Right. Instead of making something new. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. But this is his revelation. He wasn't broken. All of them were broken. A lethe society was broken. Light-eyed and dark. And maybe all of humankind. Mm. Well, the regent demands, speak up, man. But Moash remained silent because he was overwhelmed. He wasn't the exception always ruining what he was given. Men like Kaladin were the exception. The very, very rare exception. So he's saying earlier when he said, I always do that. Why must we always take something precious and find ourselves hating it? As if by pure, as if by being pure, it reminds us just how little we deserve it. Right. And I held the spear and I stabbed myself with it. What he's saying yeah. is that he's not the exception. Him doing that is what everyone does. The exception right. is Kaladin. Right. Kaladin was the exception to see something good in people and to try to lift them up and to make them right. better. That's right. We're all pieces of shit. Broken. Right. All of us. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it really, it's a weird thing that when you're presented with something good, that you can't just accept it mm-hmm. with grace and charity. Yeah. You know, just be thankful. Well, he's been given an opportunity right here to yeah. potentially not have a bad existence while being a slave here. He could work for the Slight Eyes. He could be a soldier. He could probably yeah. get good food because look, inside this tent, everything looks great. But he'd be participating in the right. same system. That's exactly and the, that's the his point. revelation. Right. That's why he's saying, no, I, I can't do Fuck this. That. I'm going to choose. I'd rather do hard labor. I'd rather do this. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's amazing. Uh, men have taken opportunity. Sorry. Um, men like Kaladin were the exception. These people proved it. There was no reason to obey these light eyes now. They had no power and no authority. Men had taken opportunity and cast it to the creme. I think there's something wrong with him, Bright Lord, the guard says. Yeah, Guff, Guff's ads should have uh, mentioned that. He's storming strange in the head now. Storming pisser. Bah, the regent says, pointing to Moash. Have that one thrown out. We haven't time for his foolishness. If we were to restore my place, he points to Guff, and have that one beaten, and post a competent guard next time. Ked, or you'll be next. Old Guff cried as they seized him. Moash just nodded. Yes, of course. That's what they would do. The guards took him under the arms and dragged him to the side of the tent. They parted the cloth and hauled him out. Passed a f- he passed, sorry, they passed a frazzled woman trying to divide a single piece of flatbread between her three crying children. You could probably hear their weeping from the bright lord's tent, where he had a stack of bread piled high. The guards threw him back out into the street that ran down the middle of the larger bunker. They told him to stay away, but Moash barely heard. He picked himself up and dusted himself off, and then walked to the third of the workstations, the one seeking hard laborers. There, he volunteered for the most difficult job they had, pulling wagons of supplies for the Voidbringer army. Mm-hmm. That's our chapter. It's crazy, eh? Wow. Um, Crazy, but understandable. Like, I love that Moash gets it mm-hmm. and refuses to participate. Yeah. The things of concern about Moash are, well, you, you don't appear to be moving on. Vengeance appears to be a part of your heart. Mm-hmm. Never a healthy thing. But again, understandable. I get right? it. I totally get it. Like the whole description it's, of the lady taking a small piece of bread and trying to give, separate it into three pieces yeah. for her children while the guy literally on the of, other side of the fabric is got a, a pile high. A piece of cloth. Yeah. Right. And this is what the people don't get. They actually have the power. Right. Your freedom is a, the, the partition between your freedom and more for, for you is a piece of cloth. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you, when you heard, you heard cattle and you heard sheep, it's just a fence. Mm-hmm. That's it's all true. that separates you from, from the next meadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet you, you often just get comfortable in your pen. Mm-hmm. Right. My, my highlight for this, uh, this chapter is the, mm. the, that's that line that I just reread. Why must we mm-hmm. always take something precious and end up hating it? Um, yeah. I really like that line. It's very introspective of, of Moash. Um, something dawned on me though, while we were, you were rereading it and mm. it, you could have told me if we had taken out all the mentions of Moash's name, you mm-hmm. could have convinced me that this chapter was about the wretch. Yeah. Like it had that feeling that, 
you know, that feeling that Kaladin has in the first book when he gets to his low points and, mm-hmm. and he sees, he sees nothing but regret and Corruption. pain and depression. And, and I, I, I'm getting a really strong, the wretch vibe from Moash right now. And I don't know if I ever felt it in my past readings. He, um, I like that he, <laughs> there's a part of me that also feels that he's electing pain and hardship because he also wants to punish himself. For sure. I think there's definitely, I think he picks the hard labor because he feels like he needs punishment. Yeah. He's, it's, it's guilt. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a great chapter. Mm-hmm, that's great. In terms of highlight, I don't know if I could pick just one thing. Um, I guess my highlight is that piece of cloth. Yeah, I, I would I would say too. Separating. Uh, freedom, yeah. I think I think that I like ruminating on a lot. I was surprised by Moash's. Uh, I I thought with his training in that tent, just kill Paladar. Yeah, take over, kill him, and take over this unit within this yep. camp. He could have, but it's not really what he wants, right? Just seeing that not. Paladar is in charge has made him. Like give up on everything. Like I know the but system that makes is completely very dangerous. Yeah, he's dangerous. Well, he's Moash he's is more dangerous, dangerous now, I think, than ever. Yes, yeah. I I would totally because agree with that. He's alone. He's alone. He's putting himself through self. What's the What's the word? Um, self harm. Self harm. Yeah. So he's consciously putting himself there. It's a dark place to be. Mm-hmm. Um. He's not showing signs of being suicidal, so he's willing to go through this pain for some other purpose. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think this Moash thing could be a big concern. We'll see. Yeah. There is still a part of me that wants Bridge Forward to triumph in the end. I think that, I mean, I think that there's a lot going on with Moash, and he's got, he's got his own journey now. Mm-hmm. Right? So we'll see. We'll see where it leads. We'll see. Give mm. me some more caravans. I want, I want some more caravans. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, we sh- maybe we should have a, an interlude that's just fo- following a, car- a caravaneer. <laughs> just for Jack. I want the caravaneers. Yeah. Let's go. Um, let's keep the storming to a, to, to a reasonable level though. Yeah, for sure. Um, we should go <laughs> to our info dump and talk about some yes. of the stuff that, um, info dump. We could, um, we should say thank you to Buzzkill Joe for doing all the hard work for Mm -hmm. our info dump. Uh, thank you again, buddy, for, for everything that you do for us. Um, so chapter 44, the bright side, we hear the name Galad. Um, Galad is a classic scholar. She was an inventor and her designs are still used in astronomy today. Mm -hmm. Um, we are reintroduced to, uh, Yanala, which is Teshav's assistant. She was in, um, in way of Kings. Um, he's the girl that he took on the assassination uh, date, the, the investigation, assassination investigation. They went to the leatherworks. That's her. Yeah. It's, it's the same girl. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty fun. Um, Dandos Oilsworn is mentioned again. He, um, knew mathematics and created the study of ratios and art. So, um, obviously she holds him in very high regard. She, he's mentioned quite often, um, when ruminating about art. So, and he's quickly becoming one of Jack's favorite little minor characters in the story. 
Um, the oil sworn. We could have I'm the uh, the oil sworn chronicles as a uh, prequel, <laughs> and Jack would be all over that. Oh, I'd love a little novella about that. Yeah, um, about we the have Inadara, Inadara, who is a old wizen scribe. Her team had been uh, trying to ascertain the meaning of strange shapes in the rooms and tunnels. You read that the, the report, her report earlier. Um, mm. Another one is uh, Ethelbar, which is kind of like the mean storm warden. He's uh, the one that's uh, really um, worried yeah, about science the, and digitology. He's the mean girl. Yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's the mean girl. He made it. He did make a couple <laughs> of appearances way of kings. We just don't really remember because he was a minor character back then. Mm-hmm. Um, Urethiro seems to have gold and copper metalworks embedded in the walls. Um, maybe they're used mm-hmm. as conductors for, for something. We're not really sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really interesting about, uh, uh, Urethiro. I also love this, uh, thing that, uh, Renarin said, which is that maybe Urethiro is just one big Fabriol as opposed to a bunch of different Fabrioles, yeah. like uh, all like separate, right? Which is mm-hmm. cool. Um, we, I think we have a brand new, um, slang term that we can start using in the show um dv you know it's an incredible That's neat DV. but in a smooth way <laughs> i don't know what he means in a by far a out way. kind of way it reminds like me smooth. of the comment in uh, the brady bunch it's like um, far out. It's far out in a, in a, in a yeah, there's some, some line that I remember from that. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Or I'm misremembering it. Um, in chapter 45, a revelation, we get a bunch of names here. We get Brew, uh, Parshman Fused, who's in charge of assigning the slaves. Um, Guff, the old wheelwright that um, Moash knows. There's another name, Jam, who is a caravaneer that, um, that, Moash worked with is actually the lead caravaneer that took Moash to the Shattered Plains. What happened mm-hmm. to him, we don't really know. Uh, Paladar mm-hmm. is the High Lord of Revelar. So, and he seems to think that with a few men that he's gotten in his ploy, he's going to bring back himself to his rightful place, which is very diluted. And then another <laughs> name is Ked, which is Paladar's, one of Paladar's lackeys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing here I have is the people of the eaves. This area has yeah. kind of their own nickname. They, uh, people Disjointed. of Revelar, yeah, are known as the people yeah. of the eaves. Every city the si- uh, of size had little huddled of buildings on the outskirts of people like him, modern day nomads who worked caravans and ran deliveries. So these people are very, very unique in the Alethi culture, which is really, really neat. Mm-hmm. So, so thanks again to Buzzkill Joe for doing all the hard work for us. We really appreciate it, Joe. And uh, we really appreciate you. Um, So the last few episodes, we haven't made time to do this, but we are going to do it now. I am going to be nervous and have be full of anxiety (laughs) because I am going to be reading the long list of patron names. Um, If you want to be part of the Patreon uh, team, go to patreon.com slash heroes of. You can sign up for uh, one of the three or four tiers that we have. Um, any of those tiers get you the discord links that you can join in the conversation, be able to be there when we do live reads. Um, and there's all kinds of different stuff like movie club and there's all kinds of fun things that are happening. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be part of that, go to patreon.com slash heroes of, and more importantly, if you want to have your name read very awkwardly by me at the end of an episode, you can be (laughs) one of these people like Seamus and Wyatt, Antoine, Eric, Vapor Snake, Smokey. Jana, Robert Ross, Carl Stanley, Sirius 3100, Eric Ottman, Adam J, Jack Attack, Kim, Serena Rasmussen, Stunshine, Renegade, 
Stephanie C., Shannon Stoffer, Greg Bain, Nunt Cugget, uh, Samuel Giddens, Vanessa and Juan, Dusty Regalia, Iono, Scrub Kai, Uncle Hypocrite, Unmentioned, Dog Gone Mad, Daniel Bergman, Cameron White, Craig, Chloe Davies, Harry Merrill, Nate Irish, Caleb Lay, Sister of the Rain, Holden Norfleet, Joel Carnes, Alex Black, Weneros, Athernal, Barbara Triggerlet, Cohen Turley, Cat Tux, Hendrick Limbach, Eliphilet, 77, also known as Matthew Goddard. I never know if I get that name right. Will Streckfus, Robin Todd, Jamie Piga. What up, Jamie? Kaustov Varshny, Thrall, Ian Henry, Zane Jeffries, Asta, Waterman85, Daniel Altridge, JS, Joe S. JS and Joe S. I wonder if they're related. I think I might have made mm. that joke last time. Uh, Jacqueline <laughs> Delaroca, John Kurth, Kunal Chaudhry, Automatic Bear, Ryan Shea, Amigo Cat, Scorpio245, Sandra G, Alex Koza, Stephen Coolia, Shaniti, James Wallace, Michael Colling, Grant Hoffmeister, Yezrian, Chloe Lewis, Kyle Wilson, Jesus Rocho, Sarah Marshall, Milan Radnovich, Genevieve Blanc, Zachary Lindo, Brian Taylor, Dana Gustafson, Jesse Fay, Cannoli, Jaden Guerra, Sarai, 677, Sarah Slagle, C. Carr, Tom Gonzalez, Mark Pinto, Maria Varum, Lawrence Bradley, Cody Logan, Jonathan Winnington, Tommy Turpin, Itzizer, Julia Pebble, Justine Elliott, Laura. Dude, we have four pages of names, man. Chris Wally, Omni Orcus, <laughs> Alec Guerin, James Johnson, Andrew Woods, James M, Valkov Marin, Chelsea Walker, James Pryor, Chad Kirkman, Richard Featherson, Ilya Certain, Daniel Lee, Denver Rose, David Clamage, Andrew S, Jason Stock, Ashlyn Lee, Anna P, Pat Bevins, Thomas Kovar, Matthew Eaton, Cosette, James Reed, J- Steph Baum, Alex Trant, Joey Willman, uh, Ratman, P Flume, Brandon Cover, C- Comer, yeah. Jasper, Silver Lumos, Joshua, Nisala, Ryan, Josh, Alexander, Janzi. This is my favorite part of the list is when it's all just one named people. So thank you everyone for having only one name. Uh, Ryan, Josh, Alexander, Janzi, Wick, Joe Mama. Joe Mama? Oh, that's Buzzkill Joey changed his name. God damn you, Buzzkill. (laughs) Joe Mama. Joe Mama. Daniel Wyden, Werewolf Will, John M., Jake DeFeo, Robert Goebel, My Mom Sue, Ari Zoo, Bruce Rogers, Joel Hayes, Don Chalice, Mr. Murasami, Christian Pappy, no, 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 Jack's wife Linda, and the very last one at each time, our best friend Mike. Also known as Craftmaster Mike. If mm-hmm. you end up getting one of those higher tiers and you get something in the mail from us, it is all because of Craftmaster Mike. So we want to thank him and everything that he does for us. So um, anyways, that's the end of the list, everyone. Thank you very much for being part of the Patreon team. Yet again, I'm going to say it one more time. If you want to be part of the the, the team, uh, uh, go to patreon.com slash heroes of. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so at heroesofcathra at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at heroes of one, on Instagram at the storm pod. You can join the facebook uh, page the storm pod or the uh subreddit the storm pod now next episode we're doing two chapters okay. 46 and 45 i'm pretty sure it's two chapters oh, you looked at the title why are you doing that I you're did. not allowed to do stuff 
Well, I'm allowed to look at the title, can't yeah. I? Yeah, it's because last time I gave you a little sneak peek to, oh, right. so I, to uh, so who the POV little... was. If you want to do that, okay, go, go ahead and do it again. Let's do it again. So take your, go to chapter well, 46. Title... No, no, don't look at the title. Just look at the very I... first word of the chapter. <gasps> Scar. Scar. Whoa. So this whole thing very of Bridge cool. 4 like being this. its own POV, yeah, yeah. we've had Sigzel. We've had uh, right. Rock, we've had um, Moash, and now we're having mm -hmm. Scar. Some Scar. of these main guys that are coming into the forefront right. here, which is really cool. So anyways, yeah. Can't wait, looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, me too, man. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we love you very much. Until next time. Take care, everybody. The Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes of. Music and theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by our wonderful Patreon team and the heroes of Akathra. <laughs>